The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. But I thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try this for a year. I'm going to really focus on it. I'm going to send out queries and see where it goes. And if it doesn't lead to anything, then I'll reevaluate. You know, if I don't make any progress at all, then I'll reevaluate. Not that I thought I was going to get, you know, a book deal and publish a book in a year, but it was just, you know, really focusing on pursuing this, um, this career. And I sent out this query for a different manuscript. And while I was waiting, because publishing is very, can be very slow, I wrote Raiders. And it was just this book, I think that was just waiting for me to write it. And there was another pitch event, another Twitter pitch event within that year. I pitched Raiders as well. My now agent, she had already had my other manuscript that she had requested. She messaged me and said, you know, I want to read this archaeology romance too. And the next day we set up a call. We moved forward with Raiders. And on the one year anniversary of when I committed to pursuing publishing in earnest, we got the book deal with Penguin Random House for Raiders of the Lost Heart. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Acclaimed debut novelist, Joe Segura, spoke with me about her love of the romance writing community, why natural history and archaeology are her jam, and her debut rom-com, Raiders of the Lost Heart. Joe's debut, Raiders of the Lost Heart, is described as an adventure romance about rival archaeologists who must team up on a secret Aztec expedition that could leave their careers and hearts in ruins. Entertainment Weekly called it Romancing the Stone meets Indiana Jones in this thrilling adventure romance, and Publishers Weekly said of the book, Segura's rip-roaring debut, sure to put her on the map. The book was named a Library Reads pick, an indie next pick for December. Entertainment Weekly's 41 new books of fall were most excited to read, and Book Riot's eight of the best romance books with action. In this file, Joe and I discussed why she dedicated a whole year to getting published, how she turned to escapist fare during the pandemic, writing her debut novel for NaNoWriMo, the reason she named her main character after her great aunt, why writers have to find their people, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. 
And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are rolling once again. I am honored to be joined by a special guest today. I have the acclaimed debut novelist, Joe Segura, is hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I hope I didn't butcher your name too terribly. No, you did great. Thank you. <laughs> um, I am battling a cold, of course, so you'll hear you know, some cobwebs on this side. But uh, what's the vibe over there? I understand you're in the Pacific Northwest, or are you traveling? I'm in the Pacific Northwest right now. It's actually kind of nice out. It's cold, but it's not raining. So anytime it's not raining this time of year, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, I know you can kind of get socked in there in the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest this time of year. Of course, I have family in Seattle and spent some time in uh, Oregon and Eugene and, and Portland areas. Yeah, last night it was a little foggy, um, but today it actually looks like it might be a nice day. We'll see. I, you never know what it's going to be like. It could start out looking like a nice day, and then all of a sudden it rains for 20 days straight. So That's right. And I understand, yeah, recently you had this um, atmospheric river yeah. or similar, right, where you, where you were just getting like an unprecedented amount of, of precipitation. Yeah, it was just dumping, like constantly, and it was awful. I I mean, we're kind of used to it at this point. Usually, starting in November, it's going to be super, super rainy, but it was it was pretty intense. Yeah. Um, well, we heard about it, and of course, these kind of concentric circles of weirdness that we have with, with climate now, um, we just really kind of never know <laughs> what's mm-hmm. going to happen. So mm-hmm. when something like that happens in the Pacific Northwest, you're like, what? It, it is normally rainy there, but not that rainy. But uh, yeah, this show is not about climate um, <laughs> change, although we have had some authorities on, on the subject. Um, thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. I can't wait to talk about your latest, your debut novel, Raiders of the Lost Heart. Fantastic title, fantastic cover. Um, but I want to talk about all the things and take us back a little bit as to um, kind of this career before becoming a novelist and a romance writer. Um, Yeah, kind of, you know, because every writer kind of has a a winding path to, you know, their debut, of course. And talk to us a little bit about kind of how you got here. Yeah, so I've always loved writing um, ever since I was a little kid. And you know, we would go to the uh, library all the time. And so then I would pick out all the books that I wanted. We'd take a whole stack of books home and then I'd finish reading those. And then I'd start making my own little books where, you know, you glue the pieces of paper together and you use your crayons and you um, draw the pictures, not the illustrations, because the word illustrations was way too hard for me to write. Um, and I draw these pictures of, you know, very, random things. My very first book was The Dog and the Dog in the Pet Shop. Then I wrote one about this character that had a 
a kazoo for a head. Um, when I was a preteen, I wrote this story about this character who had really big feet because I all of a sudden my feet got really big. And, you know, so I was always writing these kind of like um, more fantastical characters. Um, and I just kept writing stories all through grade school, all through middle school and high school. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, I remember uh, talking with a friend of mine about books and, you know, I was really getting into romance books at that point of my life. And she's, you know, I'm telling her about this story that I had in my head and she's like, why don't you write it down? And, you know, up until that point, I hadn't written anything like a full length novel. It was always just short, short stories or like, you know, children's book uh, length stories. And, you know, I had nothing, I had nothing going on. So I was like, sure, why not? And I started writing the story and I finished it. She's the only person that's ever read it. It's terrible. Nobody else will ever read it. In fact, I opened it up maybe a year or two ago just to kind of see. And I was, I quickly closed the file because it was so bad. Um, but it kind of reignited this passion for writing stories and I had another friend who was an author who told me about the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, and I went to a conference there, and that's all genres. And so you've got people writing fiction and nonfiction, all different genres of fiction, but they had a romance panel, and it was like I'd finally found my people. Um, and that really got me involved in the romance writing community in the Seattle metro area. I started going to the um, it's a former Romance Writers of America chapter. Now they're uh, their own organization. But back at the time, they were still part of the RWA and they would put on conferences. So I started going to their conferences, learning more about the writing craft, because like I said, that very first book I wrote is just terrible. It's just, I didn't know what I was doing, but you know, we all have to start somewhere. And so um, I started learning more about the craft, learning more about the business. I didn't really even understand, you know, how do you get an agent? How do you get a book deal? Um, how do you indie publish? Like those types of things. And I just kept writing stories, but I never really thought I would do anything with them. Um, until a couple years ago, I had heard about this uh, Pit Mad, which is, if, you know, the listeners don't know, it's a, a former Twitter pitch event that they would do four times a year where you pitch your, you know, your 280 word pitch to agents and editors who are acquiring, who are searching for that hashtag for the day. And I heard about one coming up and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give this a try. I'm going to see... I'm going to actually focus on it because up until that point, you know, I'd, I'd gone to conferences where I've pitched to agents and editors and I'd gotten some interest, but I never really followed up on it. I never really pursued it. And I think part of it was just this fear of rejection, but I thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try this for a year. I'm going to really focus on it. I'm going to send out queries and see where it goes. And if it doesn't lead to anything, then I'll reevaluate. You know, if I don't make any progress at all, then I'll reevaluate. Not that I thought I was going to get, you know, a book deal and 
publish a book in a year, but it was just, you know, really focusing on pursuing this, um, this career. And I sent out this query for a different manuscript. And while I was waiting, because publishing is very, can be very slow, I wrote Raiders. And it was just this book, I think that was just waiting for me to write it. And there was another pitch event, another Twitter pitch event within that year. I pitched Raiders as well. My now agent, she had already had my other manuscript that she had requested. She messaged me and said, you know, I want to read this archaeology romance too. And the next day we set up a call. We moved forward with Raiders. And on the one year anniversary of when I committed to pursuing publishing in earnest, we got the book deal with Penguin Random House for Raiders of the Lost Heart. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. That's such a cool story. Yeah. What was that feeling like? <laughs> um, it was awesome, especially because, you know, they, I signed with my agent and, you know, after maybe a month or two later, we worked on a few edits to Raiders to get it ready for submission. And then we sent it out and she said, you know, we could be waiting a while. So go ahead and start working on something else. And even the editor that we had submitted to at Berkeley, um, who ended up being the, the person who bought it, she was on vacation at the time. And so, and we already knew she was on vacation, but I wanted to send it to her anyway. And 
<laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll start working on something else. And then I get an email from my agent two weeks later, just with the subject line, OMG, and call me as soon as you get this. And she's on the East Coast. I'm over on West Coast. And so I'm freaking out. And, you know, we have a call with the editor and like within that next week, we had the book deal. So, I mean, it happened really fast. Um, And I know that's not necessarily standard, but is there any standard in publishing? I don't think so. (laughs) So, Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you talk to some people and, you know, they go out on submission and it takes a long time. You talk to other people that go out on submission and it sells right away. I think a lot of it is just about timing, finding the right person for your story at the right time. And we just, we hit that, that right note, but it was just awesome. I was, I remember standing on the couch, like Tom Cruise. I was so excited. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No one was home, so you know I was okay. <laughs> but I was looking like Tom Cruise. I don't think I've ever told anybody that. So. I love that so much. Um, I can picture it now, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was imagining because, yeah, that's that's such a uh, has to be such an elative moment uh, mm-hmm. for an author. And as you said, you know, it is a business of people and uh, timing, and it really is about finding someone who really believes in it. And it just only takes one. Yep. Exactly. Just yeah. Fun. Such a cool story. And yeah, I kind of get chills thinking about it. And so it, it's such it's such a cool idea. And of course, you know, there's a there's a cool concept here behind Raiders of the Lost Heart. But talk a little bit about setting it because I know that, you know, if if we say if we call this rom com and I want to hear what you uh, how you how you talk about the book, where you know, because you kind of get lumped in these categories. Obviously, it's been called an action adventure, and of course, a, a feminist uh, novel. But um, talk about kind of how you envisioned it initially, because you know, a comedy is not easy to write. Of course, action mm-hmm. adventure is not easy to write. Talk about you know how how you describe the novel, kind of the inspiration behind it, of course, and then how how you feel like this this you know where where does it land on the bookshelf uh, for you kind of in your mind? So it's definitely a romance. Um, You know, the main story, even though there's adventure and some action and there's, um, you know, this archaeological mystery that's going on, the story really focuses on the relationship between the two archaeologists, Dr. Socorro Mejia and Dr. Ford Matthews and their relationship. Um, And for it to be a romance, it has to have romance being the central focus of the story. And it has to have a happily ever after. And that's certainly what we have here. So for me, it is 100% a romance. I describe it as an adventure romance. I also sometimes describe it as a rom-com, but you know, like you said, it's really hard to write comedy uh, because it always hits different when it's on the page versus when you're saying it. Like I, I hear myself saying some of their lines in a certain tone that can come out really funny, but you know, on a page it might land flat. I didn't necessarily think I was that funny, <laughs> but maybe that's, you know, my husband always saying, that I'm not that funny. 
<laughs> I'm hilarious. He's like, ah, oh, it wasn't that funny. I'm like, yes, it was. Um, but I, you know, when I first had the call with my editor, she tells me how she was cracking up laughing at this one scene. And I'm like, oh my God, I did it. I, I got that on the page and people actually laughed. And since then, so many people have you know, tag me in reviews where they say that, you know, they were laughing so much throughout the story. And so, you know, it's just funny because I set out to write a rom-com. I wanted to write a rom-com mm, because mm-hmm. I wrote it in 2020 when everything was very, very grim. November of 2020, just to kind of set the stage there. And so, you know, I knew that rom-coms were, they've never been gone, but they were really seeing a resurgence because I think people wanted an escape. People wanted to be happy. People wanted to laugh. And so to hear readers say that they have actually been laughing when they're reading Raiders makes me really happy because again, I didn't necessarily think I was that funny, um, but I, I did it. <laughs> Indeed. Um, that's cool. And, and so, I mean, your, your humor comes through, obviously, uh, some great blurbs here. I thought it was cool that Entertainment Weekly called it Romancing the Stone meets Indiana Jones in this thrilling adventure romance. And, you know, those are two of my touchstone kind of, uh, films from the past. And of Mm -hmm. course, who doesn't know Indiana Jones, but Romancing the Stone is interesting because you kind of turn it on its head, whereas, you know, um, it's like a hapless romance writer, right? Like mm-hmm. lost in the jungle trying to find her sister who's been kidnapped, uh, but that gets caught kind of in a um, darker uh, web of like intrigue, mm-hmm. uh, of course. But uh, yeah, talk about the main character because, you know, you had to have done some research obviously on archaeology and, and talk about your kind of fascination with that. But then also, you know, some of this Mexican and Aztec history. Yeah, so when I first came up with the idea to write this story, someone had pitched or tweeted something that said, you know, name a profession that you'd like to see more of in romance. And I said archaeology because, you know, I was just kind of thinking, I don't think I've, and I'm sure they're out there, but, you know, I don't think I had personally read any romances with the main characters being archaeologists. And I've always been a fan of movies like Indiana Jones. Um, I love archaeology. If there, if I'm on vacation and there's a natural history museum, I am there. That it is my jam. Uh, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I'm not an archaeologist, but I just think it's so fascinating just to see how people used to live, you know, what types of food they ate, the types of homes they lived in, you know, what their beliefs were, I just think it's fascinating. And, you know, all of that stuff has really shaped, you know, who we are today. And, you know, maybe in another few thousand years, people will be studying our society, who knows. So I came up with this idea. And I instantly knew I wanted to write a Latina character. And I wanted to name her Socorro, which is my great aunt's name. I just I love that name. And I just was like, I, this is what I want to write. And so I started to kind of think, well, what would the story be? And it came to me, well, 
it'd be really interesting if this character was out there searching for something that meant something to her personally. Because when we think about a lot of, you know, these movies, these action adventure movies that we love, like Indiana Jones and Romancing the Stone, they're not out there looking for something where they have a personal connection. They're out there looking for treasure or some, you know, lost city or whatever it is in a foreign land from a culture that is not their own. And I thought it would be interesting to write a character who's out there really searching for something that has a personal connection to her. So when I, when that came to me, I knew it had to be something with the Aztecs. I've always been really fascinated by the Aztecs. It's something that, you know, I'm um, Mexican. And so looking back at like our own history, you know, we always think about the Aztecs and, you know, where they came from. And so I thought it would be really interesting to write that storyline. Um, but the character, Chimali, the ancestor that she's looking for is completely made up. I, you know, I had to do a fair amount of research just so I understood the Aztec people and their culture so that I could write that character. Um, but, you know, that's not a real person. So I, I, you know, for the sake of storytelling, sometimes you have to just make some stuff up. But also, you know, I wanted to do that in a way that was still culturally sensitive because the Aztecs were very different than we are today in society. And um, I wanted to respect that. Um, so, you know, I, I created this character. His history is still rooted in love. You know, he fled the Aztec empire with a woman that he had fallen in love with. Their relationship at the time would have been frowned upon because he was in a more noble class as a warrior and she was a commoner. So that type of relationship would not have been looked upon kindly at the time. And so, you know, I really just wanted this, uh, this Corey character to be out there looking for something that she had a passion for. But also, I wanted her to be the star, because aside from Lara Croft, in all those adventure movies, it's always the the man who's the star, who's the one, you know, doing all the really crazy, um, getting out of the way of a boulder and swinging through lines and, you know, saving the damsel from the bad guy. I wanted Corey to be the one who's doing all the really cool stuff. And uh, I think I, I think I've done that. The readers so far have really resonated with Corey and have seemed to have really appreciated having that strong female lead in this genre specifically, uh, given that that's not really what we tend to see in that genre. There's usually a woman who's out there kind of flailing about and, oh my gosh, someone save me. And Corey's not like that at all. That's more Ford. Oh, Corey, save me. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. You've kind of flipped that on its head, which is great. I, I'm seeing Steminist more and more. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to look it up. Of course, I, I, I know what STEM means traditionally. Um, but I thought it was cool that um, I learned that is a feminist who supports women in science, tech, engineering, and math. 
so I don't know. I, I don't know how to tie that in to, <laughs> to what you just mentioned, but um, it is it is a cool concept, of course, cool conceit. And um, I thought it was cool that not only did Library Journal call it well-crafted with interesting characters and an intriguing storyline, a novel that will fly off the shelves, but the Seattle Times, I think, had uh, dropped a nice little review, Heartbreak, Redemption, and Steamy Narrative Drive a True Enemies to Lover's Town, Raiders of the Lost Heart. And a really cool cover. Were you pleased with how the cover turned out? Oh my God, I love the cover. Um, <laughs> I know they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but when you have an amazing cover, like Raiders of the Lost Heart, you definitely want people to buy it because the cover's so good. And it's it's very different than the other covers that you're seeing out there because, you know, there aren't a ton of adventure romance. Again, it's not the only one. I know that. I'm not trying to say I invented the genre, but you don't see a ton of them. And, you know, the colors on the cover are really eye-catching. You know, the characters are sexy. Um, you get a little bit of flavor as to what you're going to find inside with that Aztec calendar on the cover. Um, and even the title, people know, oh, it's got to have something to do with archaeology. <laughs> There's got to be some sort of throwback to Indiana Jones. So, you know, I was just in love when I saw the cover. I saw a couple of the early drafts and I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is good. And then we got it to the point where I thought it was about done. I was like, oh, I love it. And then they threw all the color in it. And I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome. I just, I'm in love with my cover. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that my 10-year-old daughter saw it on my desk um, yesterday and she said, ooh, that looks really cool. Can I read it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, honey. This is an adult, <laughs> an adult book, maybe someday. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep it keep it somewhere for her for the yeah, future a couple of my friends <laughs> kids have said that too and so part of me is like uh-oh is it too <laughs> is it too like cutesy cartoony um but that's how a lot of rom-com covers are especially right now where yeah. you know there's like cute cartoony characters and there's a lot of back and forth about that some people love it some people hate it some people feel that the cartoony covers don't adequately cover what's inside the book. <laughs> but, you know, say what you will about cartoony covers or not. I like them and I love my cover. <laughs> but I, I do get a little nervous when I hear my friends saying that their kids want to read it. But I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Everyone's going to start somewhere. So maybe Readers of the Lost Heart will be their gateway. I don't know. <laughs> of course. And I mean, I was reading some terribly inappropriate things as a young man, you know, in like a, in the sci-fi genre that my dad had, you know, on the, on his vast collection of, you know, paperbacks from back in the day. Cause you know, you just start to explore and you're just like, well, you know, I don't know. We want, we want kids to read banned books eventually. And I'm not saying this will be banned. Of course. I don't know how I tied that thought thread in there. I mean, it might be banned someplace. <laughs> pretty steamy. Um, well, thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. Of course, I wanted to ask you one last process question um, before we wrap up just about, you know, I don't know how, how has your writing process um, evolved now that you've become, you know, a, a debut novelist? And I'm sure that you're working on 
um, a second novel or have already finished a second, maybe you're working on a third or fourth. Um, tell us a little bit about it, kind of um, how your process is working for you now and, and what you're working on. You know, it's actually tra- changed quite a bit since signing a deal for Raiders because it's a two book deal. Um, and so right now I'm working on editing the second book. Well, when I wrote Raiders, I wrote it during NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. And during NaNoWriMo, I'm not, I used to not be much of a plotter, but during NaNo, the whole point of it is just to get the words on the paper. And so I just kind of wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and whatever came out, came out. And largely what you see in the finished product of Raiders is what I wrote during that NaNoWriMo. But really, I didn't have the whole plot fleshed out. It was just some things I knew that I wanted to do just kind of in my head. Um, Some scenes that I knew I wanted to put in there, but I didn't necessarily know how all of it was going to work out. Well, now, you know, with my second book, I had to get my editor to give me the thumbs up on it. So I had to turn in, you know, the first three chapters and a full outline of the book before having written it. I have never done that before. Um, So it was kind of interesting because even though I always have a general idea in my head as to where I want a story to go, now I actually had to put it down on paper. Um, (laughs) And so that was... That was definitely different for me. And I largely stayed true to my outline, but it did kind of veer a little bit from what I originally thought, because sometimes the characters just want to take you in a different direction. And it doesn't, you know, it's like, well, I thought I wanted to do this, but it doesn't feel right to do that anymore. So I'm wrapping up edits on book two, um, which I believe is going to come out in a year and it'll be another archaeology adventure romance. Um, if I'm funny, it'll be a rom-com. We'll see <laughs> if I, if I can do it more than once, we'll see. I don't know. And then after that, I always have at least five stories swirling around in my head. And even though I'm working on one, I get this other idea and I'm like, Ooh, I want to write that. Um, that's probably how a lot of writers are where we just always have something else that we want to write the, you know, the shiny, pretty new thing, but uh, I'll get there eventually. I don't know if I will plot those ones out or not. We'll see. Well, congratulations of course on Raiders and I will link to your home base there. Of course, joesegura.com and you're on the socials as well. And the book is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we just wanted to wrap up with just your advice to your fellow scribes, but I had one last fun question for you because I understand that not only are you fascinated with archaeology, but you also love good food and uh, you like to mix a, a stiff cocktail occasionally. And um, yeah, so uh, if you could have drinks and or dinner to your favorite spot in the world with any author from any era who are we going to take and where are we going to take them and what are we going to uh drink and eat oh man you know i feel like i've been asked this question enough that i should have a good answer as to who i would take um i would probably take judy bloom 
she just seems so awesome. And I watched that documentary um, about her on Amazon Prime, and she was just fascinating. And I grew up reading all of her books, and you know, she was kind of that gateway for me, where she was talking about stuff in books that was a little bit more mature than what you would think for the the age range that those books were marketed to. Um, but I would probably go with Judy Bloom. Um, we would probably be eating some sort of Asian cuisine. I love Asian food. I, I feel like all Asian food, I would, any, any type of Asian food I'd eat. I mean, give me Chinese, give me Japanese, give me Korean, give me Vietnamese, give me Thai. I love it all. As for what we'd be drinking, my go-to is usually going to be a Gibson with gin. Um, but I also really like mezcal. So, you know, it really just depends on what's on the menu. If there's a really interesting sounding mezcal cocktail, I'll probably pick that over a Gibson. So any kind of Asian food and mezcal, that smoky (laughs) goodness of mezcal. It is not for everybody. It's not. It's not. I, you know, I used to think that it was just like tequila, and it's really not. No. Um, because I had, you know, in my in my youth, <laughs> I had a <laughs> bad experience with a night of tequila. But I'm sure it was, you know, the stuff that comes in the plastic bottle. Um, <laughs> you know, it was very yellow looking. It was, yeah. So I I had sworn off tequila for a really long time. And I had, I just assumed that it was, that mezcal was just like tequila. And then I went somewhere and there was a drink that I didn't realize had mezcal in it. Cause I also really like cocktails that have like some spice in it, like, like peppers or I like savory drinks, um, hence the Gibson. And I got this drink, not realizing there was mezcal in it. I just saw all the other descriptions with all this really delicious, salty, spicy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it comes out and I was like, oh shoot, this is mezcal. And I took a drink and I was like, oh, this is mezcal. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I, I've got you. I got you. And since then I've been experimenting with, with mezcal and I love it. It's so good. All right. We're getting Judy Bloom sauced on mezcal. <laughs> yeah. She's going to spill all her secrets. Um, I used to call it like the truth serum. Like if you, you end up sipping enough mezcal, you, you start t- telling the truth. Uh, oh. So, uh, yeah. Well, now I'm, anyway. I'm getting a little parched, <laughs> but, you know, it's only 8.30 my time. So I don't. It's lunchtime here, but I'm not having a mezcal. <laughs> I got work still today, so probably a little too early for a mezcal. But, you know, maybe this maybe this evening. We'll see. Okay. Love it. Uh, your final part parting wisdom for aspiring scribes on just how to persevere, if you will. Find your people. I really did not know what I was doing or really think that this is something I could do until I found the romance writing community. And not just that, but the people who were like me in that community who were writing the same types of books I was writing, who were, you know, had the same um, thoughts on romance that I had. It really changed things for me. Um, 
and the one thing I say it almost all the time, but the one thing I'll, I will always say about writing is your non-writing friends and family do not want to talk about books and writing as much as you do. They might be interested in it. They might be, you know, my friends are interested in my book and talking about my book. But in the end, they don't want to talk about writing all the time. They don't want to talk about books all the time. So you got to find those people who share that passion with you because it will really help. They can also help you with reading your stuff, brainstorming, just talking about books sometimes helps. When I'm with my writer group, um, you know, we do little retreats every now and then. And when I get home, I feel reinvigorated. I am ready to sit back at my computer. So that's my advice. Find your people. Find your people. Your non-writing friends and family just aren't that into you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to write that book next. <laughs> <laughs> um, this has been really fun. I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. And uh, obviously, congrats on Raiders of the Lost Heart. And uh, your next one, we'll be looking forward to that uh, next archae archaeological action adventure rom-com yeah, I think I got them all in there. Steminist rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Joe, thank you again. Um, and uh, we wish you the best of luck out there. Have fun on your tour. It looks like also you're you're hitting some, you're going out on the road in January. Well, I'm not going out on the road. I just got back. Um, I did a launch event in Seattle last week and I went back to my hometown in Ohio and did an event there. And then in January, I'm actually going to be at the University of Washington um, bookstore with Julia Quinn, which I cool, I just about screamed <laughs> when I saw that. So yes, I'll be doing that coming up soon. Awesome. I did also see one that caught my eye under your upcoming events there at josegura.com, Steamy Lit Con. Oh, yes. I went, <laughs> I went last year just as an attendee and I was assisting my friend Jasmine Silvera and it was so fun. I cannot <laughs> wait to go back as an attending author. So I've got a couple other things coming up this year. Um, yeah. Doing stuff like that, but that was a blast. I can't <laughs> wait. Awesome. Joe, thank you again. And best of luck. Uh, we will be in touch and hopefully you'll come back and wrap with us again. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.